the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. While it might be cold and dreary and drizzly outside, today's show is going to be just the opposite because Paula is in the studio. You're listening to the Date Day edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And our desire is to take your phone calls and answer any questions that you have. Ladies, as you know, this is a day that we set aside particularly for you. Uh, If you have any questions or need any encouragement, Paula is the one to provide it. All you have to do is call area code 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local area here in San Antonio, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app to send your questions in that way as well. If you are driving in your car on those slick streets, the safest way to do it is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Hit call now and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. One more time, 340-9585. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's only... Oh, who is name? Oh, it's Rusty. Thank you. Thank you very much. But anyway, thank you. That didn't occur to me. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, but anyway, here I am. Hey, It's everybody. your show? It is my show. So, you know, I get to choose what I'm going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Okay. So again, um, tomorrow night, Friday, here at Calvary Chapel San Antonio, we are going to be having an afterglow. Um, as we have finished, which book did we finish on? Uh, Acts. We finished Acts on Friday night, last Friday, and so now we're going to have an afterglow. And so, do you want to explain what afterglow is? You explain your show. No, no, no. Go ahead, please. <laughs> Uh, and afterglow is is and we don't get to do it often enough. We took about fourteen or fifteen months to get through the Book of Acts, so that's how long it's been since we've done an afterglow. But it's an opportunity for the gifts of the Spirit uh, to flow within the body. Uh, we're always crowded now. This year it's in the middle of Christmas shopping season, so um, I don't know if we'll be as crowded as we normally are, but uh, it's just an opportunity. The Lord will speak to people in the body through other people in the body. Uh, it's always a source of encouragement. It's words of of direction. It's not a, thus saith the Lord, I'm mad at you kind of thing at all. There's nothing weird that happens. It's really a beautiful, um, sweet time that we spend. There's always a theme that sort of develops in the process. And um, if uh, you need to hear from the Lord, I think tomorrow will be a really, really good night to do it. Yep. Seven o'clock. Okay. And then the next uh, thing, invitation-wise, is the Christmas dinner this Sunday at four o'clock at the Schertz Civic Center. And everybody's invited. And they've said many times, you don't have to bring food to eat food. And um, they're not kidding. (laughs) We have a lot of food. And so, you know, radio listeners, you are more than welcome to join us. Um, 
Yeah, and bring unsaved family and friends. Uh, tell them it's a free meal. Most most people <laughs> want to eat for free or do anything for free for that matter, but um, you'll get to meet a lot of really sweet people. So uh, don't be shy. You know, get there, get there early because we start lining up to eat, and the lines kind of are long, but it's worth. Yeah, we'll worth pray waiting. for the food at four o'clock and and um, and start serving. Um, normally, we're out of there by six or six thirty at the latest, mm -hmm. so it's not a really long night, mm -hmm. but it's a really really good time. It is a wonderful time, and I'm all about trying everybody's uh, dish. You know, because. I'm in the in the practice of I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, you know. <laughs> oh, that was really good. Give me that recipe, please, you know, kind of a thing. But anyway, so Pastor Ron, last night um, as we have finished uh, another, well, yeah, we finished Second Samuel. Second Samuel, and so you've been kind of uh, doing a different study every Wednesday as we. You don't want to start the Book of Isaiah until after the first of the year, so. Uh, this yesterday, the, the days all kind of run together, Pastor Ron. I'm so sorry. But yesterday, last night, you did the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. And um, I really do think, you know, I mean, not that you want to do a whole Bible study on the radio, um, but I think it's it's worth talking about. I, I love the title, and the title that I put in my my book is Jesus is Smitten with Me. <laughs> and so um, you, you were talking about uh, marriage from Ephesians 5, and the explanation is it's Jesus' relationship with his church and me, or other Christians, if they want to involve themselves. Um, but about Solomon and, you know, as the king, of course, and the one woman who had his heart, even though he had a thousand women, seeking his attention, um, only one of them had his heart. And um, so, go ahead. Go ahead what? Uh, say something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I think the, the Song of Solomon, I, I equated it uh, last night to Ephesians. I, I, I actually believe with all my heart it's a New Testament book. It's, a, it's an entirely New Testament message. Uh, I think it's impossible to understand the message uh, apart from the new covenant, um, to, to 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 imagine that Jesus is so in love with us would have been impossible for anybody in the Old Testament. And yet Solomon, who was the wisest man who's ever lived, the smartest, uh, the richest, when you compare relative standards mm -hmm. of the day, um, um, he 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 had an insight given to him by the Holy Spirit. Um, I said last night, Paula, that he wrote a thousand five songs. We know that from uh, the Kings uh, chapter four, First Kings chapter four. Um, but but this was the one song that he wrote, that God wrote. He was a poet, a musician, a worshiper of God, and this was a song written at the height of his relationship with the Lord, when things were going the best. Now we know that he took a bad turn uh, and, and, and fell away. He did two things that God told him not to do. He multiplied horses, which would give him a, a sense of, I'm really powerful, and pride would begin to creep in. But even worse is he multiplied women. Mm -hmm. And I said to the church here last night that that Necessarily, that means that every minute he spent with any other woman of the thousand was a minute stolen from him, from the one woman who had his heart. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we know in Ecclesiastes that Solomon said at the end of his life, looking back with deep, deep regret, he, he looked back and he would think, um, you know, I've wasted so much time and so much energy and so much resource. Um, and, and for what? It's all emptiness. It's vanity and meaningless and chasing after the wind. Um, and it, it applied in his relationship with this woman as well. And so uh, the thing that we need to understand about the Song of Songs is that it's a real story. It's a historical story. Solomon was real. The Shulamite was real. Um, but... Um, it's also true that Solomon is Jesus in the story, and he's telling a far, far, far deeper story than just about this one love affair. It was a, a passionate love affair, um, but but 
it's it's all about how much Jesus loves us. And that's why I said last night that Jesus is smitten with us. That's where the New Testament um, angle comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it when you were talking about in verse 9, um, it, it, let's see, where it says, he's talking to her, you are as exciting. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I should go to the other one because I, I in some translations... It just reads better mm-hmm. in, in the new, not the New Living, but the NIV, the 84 NIV. Because in my NLT, it says, you are as exciting, my darling, as a mare among feral stallions. And, you know, it goes on to say, how lovely are your cheeks, your earrings, set them afire. How lovely is your neck enhanced by a string of jewels. We will make for you earrings of gold and beads of silver. Well, in my notes, um, what you said was, he is saying, she's going to be my woman. <laughs> yeah. That's what he's saying. He staked her out. You know, the, the story, uh, historically, um, um, Solomon as the king, uh, evidently, and you get this from chapter 8 of, of, of Song of Solomon. It's a poem. It's not written in any chronological order. It's mm-hmm. sort of a, a reflection on this relationship from the king's perspective. And um, evidently, he liked to get away from being king from time to time. He'd go out in disguise um, and sort of survey uh, his land, his holdings, talk to the people. You know, there's no better way to, to, to get the pulse of the people than becoming one of them. So he would go out in, in disguise and no one would know who he was. Um, on one of those trips, he stumbled across a woman and the first look took his breath away. And, and just so the audience knows, I shared with the church last night that that's exactly how I felt the first time I looked at you. I saw you across a gym, and my brother, I had to have you, you know. I was, I was marking you out as mine. And while it seemed impossible to me at the time, um, um, we know that the, the, the next week we met, and I knocked on the door, and you opened it, and we fell in love. Mm-hmm. We've been together, it's almost 49 years, it be 49 years in March. And um, um, it just proves these things really happen. Well, when he saw this woman, Paula, um, he was overwhelmed by her beauty. And he just knew that she was the one for him. And uh, she saw him sort of staring and she felt self-conscious. And she started kind of knocking herself as women are so prone to do. Uh, oh, I'm not beautiful like the other girls, you know. Uh, in, in chapter 8, verse 11, it says her brothers were, were mean to her. She had to go out and work, and her skin was darkened by the sun. And um, um, he looked at her and said, no, you're, you're not that. She says, I'm a rose of Sharon. She was basically calling herself a common weed. And um, what Solomon did was look at her and convince her, how can you think that? You're the most beautiful thing I've ever laid eyes on. And he complimented her and checked her out from head to toe and started the toe and went back up to the head. And she began to, to, to understand. And the picture there, of course, is a picture that we love Jesus because he first loved us. Mm-hmm. But um, um, he, he, he convinced her, even for a moment, he convinced her. Um, then she went back, fell back into the, the, the same old habit patterns, you know, no, I'm not like the other girls who are pretty, and I'm not like the girls who can take all day bleaching their skin and looking beautiful. Uh, I, I have to go to work. And um, again, it was Solomon's job to convince her of just how much she loves her and how beautiful she really and truly was. Mm-hmm. The problem, of course, Paula, for her, is the same as the problem for many women today. Um, we just we can't get past the, the, the lies that have been told to us, the lies that we bought, you know, the, the, the men in your lives who've treated you poorly. Uh, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not thin enough, all those things. And, and Solomon had the same challenges with her. And it took persistence and commitment, and finally he convinced her, and then she, she started getting into it. She'd look at him and say, well, you know, you're not bad either. You're, you know, you're, you're pretty hot too. And, and, and this relationship began to develop. But it never really began to develop in earnest until she believed that the king loved her. Mm-hmm. 
Now, she didn't know it was the king. Nope, she sure didn't. Yeah. He had come incognito. Yeah. And later he'll come back, and, and everybody will know it's Solomon. The king is coming. He's got his chariots. He's got his attendants. Um, everybody knows this is Solomon. He's coming. Why is he coming? He stops in front of her house, and he just blows everybody away by getting down on a knee and proposing to her. Mm-hmm. And um, at that moment, you know, everything, she's, she's vindicated. Uh, from all of the things that people have said, the, the bad treatment of her brothers. And she finally realizes that I am beautiful. And over and over he keeps saying to her, how oh, beautiful you are, my darling. There's no flaw in you. Mm-hmm. And I said last night, I said, including you, I said, um, you know, women just aren't really good at accepting compliments. Mm-hmm. I tell you, Polly, you are so beautiful. And what do you say? You're blind. <laughs> and, but, but she was like that. But he convinced her. And I said to the men in our church, it's your job, every one of you who are married, to convince your wife that she's beautiful, that she's perfect, that there's no flaw in her. And if you do your job, can you imagine the blessings that, that Jesus has for you? Can you imagine the smile on his face? And um, unfortunately, it's just it's just something we don't believe. Now, one of the problems in, in teaching the Song of Songs, Paula, is that we're, we're talking to men as well. And and they're uncomfortable when I start talking to them like you're the, groom, the, the bride. Because uh-huh. Jesus is looking at you and saying, you're hot, you're perfect, I love you, I'm yeah. crazy about you. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and you know, we're not used to being talked to that way. But that's why it's so important to really get into this book and listen to it and understand it. So that's the background. So whatever you want to do with that. That's the background, yeah. Um, You know, you said, and I think pretty much all men especially need to hear this, but even there's some ladies who are married to men who've uh, been raised in in dysfunctional homes. You know, I think all of us come from some some semblance of dysfunction. Um, But you said that Jesus wants to break the lies believed of unworthiness from a dysfunctional family because um, her brothers had just taken advantage of her, bullying her, just because they could, you know. I think we all need to take a step back and, and ask ourselves, how do we treat other people, the ones we say that we love, those that are, you know, that we are supposed to come home to and be committed to, um, you know, are they, after Jesus, are they number two? You know, if if a man in in this context, if a man who is critical of his wife, and I love the fact that there's no criticism at all uh, of of the Shulamite, the the girl in this story, Mm -hmm. Uh, but if a man who who has his own past issues uh, and is critical of his wife or unkind to his wife, if that man would contemplate for just a moment Jesus looking at him and saying, Oh, beautiful you are, my darling. I love you. I'm crazy about you. How could he then deny his responsibility to pass that sentiment on mm-hmm. to the woman that he loves? And I said last night to the church, I said, you, you want your wife to be beautiful, men? Make her feel beautiful. Convince her she's beautiful. And she'll do that. But we have to step outside of ourselves. That's why I said this is a New Testament book. It's a New Testament story because we can only do that by faith. We can only do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. But taking that step of faith and taking that risk pays such huge, huge dividends in terms of blessings. And the the marriages that we have seen uh, the Lord restore and renew in, in our years here, just a perfect illustration of how God can take something that's, that seems to be hopelessly broken and make it something so magnificent. I'm thinking now of, of uh, a couple, Donald and Catherine, in our church who've gone through so much. Mm-hmm. They've gone through so much, and they could barely stand the sight of each other when they got here a couple, three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now you sit them watching worship holding hands um, you know he looks at her like you are the most beautiful thing I've ever seen <laughs> and and uh, it, it's it's just one of those things that only God can do and he'll do it for every married couple every Christian married couple that will believe him take him at his word yeah. yep. um, another thing you said was to the men in verse you know that verse 15 in, in chapter 1 that a man's job is not to sport date, but to be honorable towards the woman God has given. 
pretty much you just said that as well, but mm -hmm. not to sport date. And to me, you know, you've been talking about uh, pornography a lot. You don't think of that as being sport dating, but it really kind of is because the affections go towards what they're seeing on a yeah, screen to me. Pornography is even worse than that because the affection is really all self-affection. Yeah. Um, it's the most selfish thing a man or woman can do. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we are selfish, the worst comes out, and we begin to look at people as sort of a bother rather than a gift from the Lord. Um, uh, I, when I talk about sport dating, Paula, I was talking to uh, the single men uh, and women in our church as well. And, and the idea is that, that men, when you're dating somebody, and we, when I say sport dating, I mean just kind of go have fun with people and, and, and see. But, but, but the idea should always be, for Christians anyway, uh, driving toward a committed relationship in Christ, uh, a committed relationship where both parties are serving the Lord together. Uh, and if we do that, then what we're doing is we're understanding that uh, this is a daughter of the king. And my responsibility as his ambassador is to make her feel like she is a daughter of the king. Uh, and and the, the man who is involved in pornography, and that's a, a sin that runs rampant in the church. It's the church's dirty little secret. Uh, you know, we convince ourselves it's no big deal. Um, um, we convince ourselves that that uh, I'm not hurting anybody, at least I'm not cheating on my wife. Um, and yet, when our affection is supposed to be just for the one woman in our lives, we're doing just that. And there's a, a, a phrase, I think it occurs three times in the Song of Solomon, that she describes the act of lovemaking. And she says, his left arm is under my head, under my neck, and his right arm is embracing me around the waist. And that's uh, an embrace in the act of making love. And the whole point there is that she finally now not only feels loved and feels beautiful, but she feels safe. Mm -hmm. He's not going to turn on her. He's not going to be critical of her. Um, she feels safe. And, and a safe woman will give her entire self to her husband. And that's what God wants for all of us. The, the, the problem is uh, if that woman knows you're doing pornography and wives know when their husbands are looking at pornography, um, uh, she doesn't feel safe. Mm -hmm. Uh, if he's critical of her, uh, if she does, never quite measures up, she doesn't feel safe. And if she doesn't feel safe, she's going to withhold something to, to maintain some sort of control. And what we've got to do as men, uh, godly men, hopefully, is we've got to be the man who says, Jesus, you gave this woman to me. I'm going to make her feel beautiful. I'm going to convince her that she's the perfect one for me. And I am going to treat her like the daughter of my king and in the process she'll become exactly that you know last night at church where you were talking it was so quiet in church and the reason I'm bringing that up right now it seems like it's very quiet in the audience right now as well um, and but you went down to uh, chapter 4 where 2 through 7 where, and then you explained that we are to focus on all the things that made you fall in love with that one, whether that's the man to the woman. You're, you're more talking to the men about the wife, but for all of us um, to stop being critical, stop picking out the things that irritate us, and remember why we fell in love with the one we're married to in the first place. Yeah, you know, this, a marriage is the same kind of relationship we have with the Lord. Uh, if we grow cold, if we grow distant, it's never it's never Jesus' fault. It's always ours. We're the ones who move. Mm -hmm. Well, the same thing happens in a marriage. You know, instead of the, the, the quirky little things that you did that I was crazy about when I first fell in love with you, I started looking at, why is she doing that? You know, kind of thing. <laughs> and, and, you know, we have to be on guard against that. And a relationship, uh, in the next, we're, we're inside two minutes, so oh, the, the wow. next uh, uh, half hour, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll talk about the, the, the message of sex inside the marriage and in this book as well. But um, 
if we're going to be um, the, the man that rightly represents Jesus, then the relationship takes work and commitment. It, it, we, we don't expect things to go perfect, and when they don't, we don't get frustrated and impatient. Uh, we don't transfer blame. Uh, the man in the relationship is the one who's always supposed to accept responsibility. This is my problem. My wife doesn't feel loved. Mm. And and you may think she's a shrew. You may think that she's got all kinds of problems. It's not your fault. But if the wife that you're married to, men, doesn't feel loved, that's on you. That is 100% on you. And uh, Paula, we've done counseling for 23 and a half years uh, since we've been here. And most of the women and most of the marriage issues uh, are a result of the woman not feeling loved. Mm -hmm. And so she tries to protect herself. She's always on guard. And she's uh, in a situation where she's got to watch out for herself because nobody else will. Mm -hmm. So we'll pick this up on okay. the other side of the break. We've got 30 minutes left in the date day edition of the program. We'd love any comments or questions. Area code 210-340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR. We will be back in two minutes. See you then. to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the second half of the program we're talking about the song of songs the song of solomon uh, on the program today um uh, and and um, uh, unashamedly our purpose today is to to help everyone man and woman understand just how much Jesus loves them and then accept the responsibility that goes with that. Um, it, it, it's a life-changing premise. You know, the man or the woman who doesn't feel loved, the man or the woman who's had all kinds of bad breaks in their lives, perhaps they've been betrayed by people, hurt in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. Healing only begins when they truly understand how valuable they are to God, how much they are loved by God. And Paul, as we've seen before, uh, women who are um, promiscuous, um, you know, they, they feel like it's the only way they can get validated is to give their bodies away. Looking for love yep. in all the wrong places uh, and in way too many faces. And what do you always tell them? They just don't know their value. To God. Yeah, to God at all, yeah. Yeah, and that's the important thing. And that's the reason that we're doing this, this show today uh, on this topic. You had something else you wanted to uh, Yeah, you know, I was, at first, the first thing I wanted to say is when Jesus came, like Solomon, to um, the Shulamite, um, he checked her out from head to toe and then back again. This was the key, knowing every vile thing that she's done, not... King Solomon, but our King Jesus knows everything about us, but he doesn't bring it up. And like you were saying earlier, there's no criticism in any of this book. Um, and with Jesus, there's no criticism of us either. As you said so many times, he has a bad memory, but a bad memory on purpose. Mm -hmm. He doesn't bring up all of our stuff. The devil does, our flesh does, and some of the other people in our life, they bring past um, sins and hurts and whatever up again and again, but Jesus doesn't. And so, um, your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Yeah. The God who knows everything chooses mm -hmm. to forget. Yeah. The things that would stand opposed to us. Mm -hmm. And it's it's something that's really important. Um, Paul, we've got a, an anonymous caller on the line, so let's go to her. Okay. Uh, anonymous, you're on the air. Hello. Um, nope, I guess not on there, just there's a comment, I guess. Okay. So, Anonymous, are you there? Oh, the Anonymous, why well, I don't know what it means. I believe it's also the woman's fault, not just the man's, uh, the comment that he left. I, I don't know what that means. It's, it, it, see, here's, here's part of the problem, Anonymous, and this is something that we, we have to be honest enough and deal with. If, uh, and I'll use mine and Paula's relationship as an example. But if she is um, acting in a way 
that is unseemly. If she is being critical of me, if she is holding me to a higher standard than she has any right to, to hold, um, um, you, you want me to say, well, that's the woman's fault. Uh, God has given men the spiritual headship in the home. And that means we've got to be committed to following Jesus. We've got to be committed to walking with the Lord every day that his love is continually pouring out. We don't give a right to repay evil with evil. And, and when we do those things, we abdicate that position of leadership that is God-ordained. And, and you see, I can't change Paula. Paula can't change me. All I can do is take my heart before the Lord and let him change me. And, and then in, if, if I'm faithful in doing that as an example, then, then the Holy Spirit is going to work on Paula and she's going to do that as well. And again, I'm using us just as an example. But it's always the man's responsibility to make his wife feel loved. Now, if she refuses to feel loved or to, to accept your love, what do you do? Do you quit and just complain? No, you keep trying and you keep praying. And I think we sometimes, if we look at our human relationships in such a way that, well, God, you can't do anything about this. You know, this is bigger than you are. There's nothing impossible for God. And I have seen... Um, unbelievable transformations in marriage just because one or the other in the marriage couple would take the responsibility to represent Jesus in that home. Mm -hmm. So, um, um, is it the woman's fault? Of course it is sometimes. But it's always the man's responsibility. Yeah. And that distinction is critically important for us to understand. So, um, you know, if uh, Solomon would have looked at her and said, you know, um, you need to gain some weight. Uh, and, and let me explain that, because in, in that culture, the standards of beauty were completely upside down from what they are right now. The, the beautiful woman, she says, I'm a rose of Sharon. She says, I'm a common weed. All these other girls are the beautiful flowers. Uh, the beauty in that culture was was uh, considered to be the, the women who were a little bit plump, and their skin would be white. They actually would spend six to eight hours a day, the women of privilege and princesses and others, six to eight hours a day taking skin treatments to bleach their skin white. She says, no, I'm lean and I'm fit uh, because she worked outside. But, but I'm also dark. My skin is brown because I've been darkened by the sun. She said, I don't have time for others. The, the, the time others have to take care of themselves because I'm out working my own vineyard. She says, I'm neglecting. Mm -hmm. um, but and to, to Anonymous and to everybody else who's listening, all of that began to change the moment he looked at her with that holy hunger in his eyes. And that's what we are supposed to emulate in this world. We're not supposed to feel sorry for ourselves. Well, it's her fault. Of course some of it's her fault. But you can't do anything about the parts that her fault. All you can do is that which is between you and the Lord. And until we get that, things are never going to change. You know, we keep waiting for him to change or we keep waiting for her to change. Then we'll do the right thing. Then nothing ever changes. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've had the, the, the wonderful privilege of watching people uh, accept this responsibility and seeing the miraculous transformations that God has, has, has provided. Uh, none of that happens if somebody says, well, it's her fault too. Mm -hmm. God doesn't negotiate. Jesus never negotiates. <laughs> And and every man in this audience, including you, Anonymous, every man is going to stand before God and he's going to say, what did you do with the gift that I gave you? Now, let me make that really personal and then I'll turn this over to you, Paul. Okay. Um, a long time ago, before I got saved, I complained all the time. Now, you know how before you're saved you pray? You pray to a God that you don't know. And, and I, I just used to pray, when are you going to give me the woman that, that will be obedient, the woman that will be submissive? When are you going to bring me a woman who takes care of my needs? Um, I got saved, and I went home, and I found out she was already living in my house. And, and only God can do that. Um, so it's got to be something where we take personal responsibility. If it's the woman... Uh, and she's the one who's, she's got to take personal responsibility, but it all begins with the man making the woman feel beautiful, precious, loved, and cared for. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know if that's a man that sent that in, but uh, it, it... It is. It, okay. 
but our sons, it, for instance, our sons, because I've told them this for years, don't have your wives call over here to me to complain. Um, because the minute they start complaining, this is what I told our sons, is let me talk to my son because it's his, his fault. It's his responsibility. You need to take care of that. Handle your business, you know, kind of thing, and make your wife feel like the most loved woman in the world. Why did you marry her anyway? Why do you have kids with her, and now you're going to mistreat her? No, 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 no. You need to get that right. And that's, we have one son who's a believer, and the other one's not, but he knows. Mm -hmm. And so, fix it. And, and then the other thing is, you know, as a mother and law to these girls um, and I, I'm, I'm, my son our sons have married up um, they don't they don't need to be talking bad about their husband or their wife to anybody if they have a complaint they need to take that to Jesus and Jesus alone I shouldn't know what their problems are you shouldn't know what their problems are they should be taking that just and only to Jesus if they have any kind of complaint. So, um, you, you know, Paul, in that, in that sense, whether it's the woman or the man yeah. who's complaining to family members or friends, well, she does this or he does that, and, um, you know, that's just a call for attention. I, w I want attention. I want mm -hmm. somebody to feel to, sorry for feel me. Sorry for mm -hmm. me. And, and that's Jesus' job alone. That's right. And, and we don't recognize that. You know, we've had... Many cases over the years where the, the wife, for example, would go to her mother and complain and complain and complain, and say all these terrible things about her husband. Then they get saved or God fixes it and they're going to reconcile and get back together. And the mother says, oh, no, you're not. Mm -hmm. After all the horrible things he's done. Mm -hmm. We've got an advocate in heaven. We've got a mediator between us and God, the man Christ Jesus. And he is the one to whom we take these problems and these complaints and he's the one who can fix them he's the one who who loves our husband or loves our wife mm -hmm. and will work on their heart but what we've got to do is be sure be absolutely sure that what we're doing before God is everything that we've been charged with the responsibility to do and for anonymous who called and uh, I want to say this to everybody in the audience as well uh, you can't fix anybody but you and, and you can only do that with the help of the Holy Spirit. And there is no value ever, not ever, 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 in saying, well, if she would do this or if he would do that. Um, because the issue always has to start at home. Mm -hmm. and that's with you. Yeah. Yeah. So, no talking bad. Speak only well of him. And, and I call, I have different things in my list under the uh, title of homework. Um, well, in, in one of those uh, things is look for those times throughout the day, and they always come when your spouse does something that you really appreciate. Point that out. Stop looking uh, critically. Um, and so, anyway, so I, I love the payoff. She says at the end, I am a wall. I mean, she's... She's just strong in the Lord. I am a wall. You know, I have been taking care of uh, the vineyard. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm dark and I'm lovely. I'm strong. Uh, it's okay because he came for me. He came for me and he loves me. Um, and, and you talked about growing content. You know, each and every day, I've been praying this recently, um, I want to live each day with you like it could be the last because what if it is i don't want to i don't want to have regrets well, we, we've just been through this for two, know, years thinking, yeah, for two years thinking is this good is this it with my heart surgery and i, I just think how horrible it would have been um had i died on that operating table and you're sitting in the, the, the waiting room. room. Mm -hmm. A doctor comes in to tell you the bad news. And all you can think about with the help of a devil is those last terrible things you said about me or to me or the, the selfish things that you were holding on to. You know, we can live this life without regrets, but the only way we can do that is to live in the moment uh, as godly men and women are supposed to live. 
And uh, Solomon did his job. He made this woman who thought she had appearance issues. I'm not pretty like all of the other ones. He said, no, 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 you're, you're not a common weed. You're a lily among the thorns. How beautiful you are, my darling. What he's saying is you're perfect for me. And I said to share with the church last night, we have a, a thing that we've been doing for years and years. Uh, we're perfect for each other. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, the things I don't want to do, you don't want to do, and the things that, that you don't want to do, I don't want to do. Uh, God molded us together. Uh, you can finish my sentences. And he molded us together in such a way that we're able to serve together as partners in this marriage, as partners in this ministry. Mm -hmm. We're able to serve together bringing honor and glory to our king. That's the purpose of life. It's not to be happy. The purpose of life isn't to get people to do uh, what you want them to do. I think the problem in comments like Anonymous's just now and others are, are when you have a comment like that, you find out that your heart really isn't for Jesus at all. Your heart's for you. Mm. And I know that sounds harsh, but when we respond, well, what about me? This isn't my fault. Um, we're forgetting that there was one who hung on a cross for us. He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. It wasn't his fault, mm -hmm. but he accepted the responsibility to reconcile us to him. And if I would only be a loving husband to you, or if I only made you feel pretty when you were satisfying me emotionally or physically or any other way, um, then, then it would only prove... All along, my heart was just for me. Not for Jesus, not for you. But my heart was just for me. How would any of us explain that to God? Mm -hmm. And when I get a comment like this, I believe it's also the woman's fault. Uh, how, would you, how could you say that to Jesus? Imagine that day when we stand before the Bema Seat of Christ. That's where believers are going to stand, mm -hmm. where our works are going to be judged. They're either going to be um, applauded or they're going to be burned up. When Jesus says to you, how did you do? Now, he calls you precious to me. Mm -hmm. So I know this conversation is going to happen in eternity. <laughs> um, if Jesus comes as quickly as I think as he's coming, it could happen soon. He's going to say, oh, I've been waiting for you. You know, I've been thrilled with you, Ron. And he's going to call me a new name. But I've been thrilled with you, and God bless you, and thank you so much. But let's see, first and foremost, how did you do with precious? How far do you think it would go if I said, well, it's, well, it's her fault, too? <laughs> yeah. You see, we, we don't have that view because we're so focused on self, so selfish, our needs. And the idea is, men, we've got to roll up our sleeves and start to work. And the way that work begins is to make your wife feel like the most beautiful, most loved, most precious person on the face of the earth. You look at her with hungry eyes, and I promise you, she's going to be beautiful. You know, we were talking uh, from the other direction, too, with ladies who, um, you know, they have to work. Uh, they don't have anybody to feel pretty for, mm. um, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah, you know. Those that are single and or especially those that are in an unequally yoked marriage. Um, they're like, well, you know, he's not really paying attention to me or, you know. Or women whose husbands are looking at porn. Yeah. And it's like, why do I need to fix myself up? He's not going to notice me anyway. Um, yeah. I've even had, you know, over the years where ladies are, have, their husbands have cheated on them. Some so many times it's like, even if I was to cheat on him, he wouldn't care. He he wouldn't notice anyway. Um, but they don't they don't care about themselves at all again because they don't know their value to Jesus. And like we were talking today, you know, I, I want to get up every day and say, Jesus, you gave me life. I want to live it for you. And so, even those who are or have been. Um, neglected, abandoned. Jesus loves you. He's your, you guys all know the ones that know me. Ron is my second husband. Jesus is my first husband. Ron's okay with that. He knows that's the best possible thing for me. Um, and so I want to be 
beautiful not you know in in first peter it says don't be so concerned with the outward beauty i'm more concerned i want to be more concerned with the inward beauty yes but at the same time i still want to take care of myself and and walk arm in arm with jesus throughout this world i don't want to look like i'm haggard and nobody cares for me because jesus does and see when i said that, that jesus is solomon or Solomon is Jesus in, in, in that, that poem, um, he's the one looking at you and saying you're beautiful. And if we, if we won't get pretty for him, uh, why would we do it for a human being? Mm -hmm. If our focus, well, he's not even appreciative or, or he doesn't care. So who cares? Jesus does. Yeah. And... You know, that's why we've got to put our best foot forward always, because it's always there with Jesus. And, and so often we get focused on only the, the people around us, and the responses we're getting is, oh, what's the point? The point is, we're here to serve Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, we've got to be men and women who accept our personal responsibility before God more seriously than our responsibility to anyone or anything else. Um, it's why the men and women both are, are so easily attracted to a faceless name on the internet. Um, um, somebody says nice things and pays you attention. Um, do that at home. Yeah. Do that first at home and um, be as kind to your wife, men, as you are to the woman that you're texting with or the woman that you're, you're, you're sharing uh, information on social media with. Or you're flirting with at work or wherever. Yeah. 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 You know, the ladies who are at home, especially um, stay-at-home moms, they really feel um, less than because they're not out there producing, you know, and being smart and uh, being appreciated. I know this. Um, and uh, to come home, you know, and where's my dinner, where's my clothes, where's, you know, why are the kids acting up, um, they feel less than appreciated, and so... Um, hey, so there are times, Paula, when the man will say, look, you don't do anything all day. Yeah, well, I know. You know, and, and um, it, it just shows a lack of concern and yeah. understanding, compassion. Yeah. Mostly, it just shows the absence of the heart of Jesus yeah. toward the husband and the wife that you're you're you're, you're married to. And uh, one of the other things that I said in the message last night, Paula, was that, um, and I said this specifically to men, but it works the other way around too. I said, um, if you've got children at home, they're learning how to be. Uh, a godly husband or wife watching your relationship with your wife. Yeah. Um, if if your daughter were to bring home a, a, a boy or a man and say, Daddy, this is the one. He treats me just like you treat Mom. Uh -huh. Would that thrill you or terrify you? Yeah, yeah. And accepting responsibility for that begins with introspection, examining your heart before God continually. Mm -hmm. If we won't do that, nothing is ever going to get any better. One more comment, Paul. We're inside four minutes now. Okay. Um, would you address women who sort of have given up? Their husband's a jerk. Uh, they've sort of given up trying to be pretty, mm -hmm. uh, trying to be nice. What's the point? Mm -hmm. um, address that just for a moment before yeah. we go up the air. Yeah. Our, our role is, again, um, to please Jesus, not to please another person or even not to please ourselves. Um, we are to be uh, thankful in, in all circumstances. And you know what? You have a house. He does come home. You have kids. Be appreciative and do your role for Jesus' sake. Because even giving up is the opposite um, of, well, it's still all the focus on you. Don't, don't, and you said something important for Jesus' sake. You don't do it for your husband's sake. Yeah. You don't do it for you. So, well, maybe this will make him love me more. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. do it for Jesus. Do it for Jesus, just like the two, uh, Leah and Rachel. You know, is having babies that'll make him love. Cause she could have babies, and that'll make him love me. And but his heart was for Rachel the whole time.
and Jesus' heart is for you the whole time. So every day get up, um, get a shower, you know. Do your best, look just, your best. Just do your, yeah, that's right, do your best, look your best. Um, be thankful that you have food. Be thankful that you have dishes because some are like, you know, their houses get nasty. That's not, that doesn't show Jesus. That doesn't show that you're appreciative for just the next breath that you have. Live for Christ and not for another person. Jesus loves you. You don't have to make him love you. He already does. And sometimes we think, oh, man, my life is not going the way I want it to, so he must have stopped loving me too. No, it's a test. And, and the test is, do you love him because he first loved you? He has never stopped loving you, never will. Um, and so love him back. And the way we love him back isn't just with words. It's with, it's with our lives. It's with our attitudes. And so please don't give up. Yeah, let me address ladies following just in, in a little over a minute now. Um, ladies who think, well, well, you're married to Pastor Ron, and, and uh, you don't understand how hard my husband is, how hard my, my life is. Um, I, I want all of you to, to remember, those of you who don't know, this is a woman who prayed for Ron the Jerk for 13 years. Her behavior, her joy, her relationship with Jesus is the reason I'm even saved, let alone having the privilege to do what I'm able to do. Uh, Paula... I couldn't steal her joy away because her joy comes from Jesus. And um, that was the one thing that changed my heart faster than anything else. I hope that you hear that. It, was I happy every single day? No, but was my joy there every single day? Yes. Yeah. Did I cry a lot? I did, but I'm smiling now. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. I hope the program was a blessing to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.